platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is BizTalk. Welcome everyone to BizTalk here on CGTN. I'm Michael Wong here in Beijing. Our focus today, tourism. According to the UN World Tourism Organization, the sector is one of the fastest growing in the world. Business volume related to tourism equals or even surpasses oil exports, food products or automobiles. And five and a half billion, that's the number of domestic trips expected by the China Tourism Academy in 2023, generating travel revenues of around 700 billion U.S. dollars as forecasted by China's Ministry of Culture and Tourism. So for more on the tourism industry, I want to bring into our conversation uh, Zoritza Yurosevich is the executive director of the United Nations uh, World Travel Organization. And Zoritza joins us from Madrid. So Zoritza, welcome to the program. Uh, good to have you on the show. I'd love to get your view in terms of how the UNWTO is really promoting sustainable tourism uh, these days in a post-pandemic uh, era. Thank you very much for having UNWTO on the call. Um, actually, uh, technology has been uh, critical even during the crisis. We launched an um, innovation uh, competition for startups uh, to share what would be uh, uh, the possible technologies that, uh, that could be helping even during the crisis. This was the biggest uptake ever. It was called Helix Solutions. Mm. And uh, we had about 3,000 submissions from all over the globe. Actually, some of these technologies have been used two years after by many countries to actually monitor uh, testing, entry, protocols, and so on. Mm -hmm. So we definitely uh, have, um, have a, I can see, have a stake at, at in, in, in that sphere. Uh, regardless of that, um, technologies have as well been enabling many destinations and, uh, and uh, private sector and properties to be on the market, just simply by being present uh, on, um, on, the, on the web. So basically, uh, that is something that, uh, that is a trend that is going to continue. Uh, it has um, it has uh, created an incre incredible uptake. It was already on the very uh, high curve of growth, but uh, it has even increased during the during the crisis and the post crisis. Yeah. To respond to your question on uh, how do we take up uh, sustainability, you very well know that uh, we have all seen these pictures of. Uh, the world without a cloud, the world without a red, the world without emissions. I think that uh, we have seen during the pandemic that we had to adapt our lifestyles uh, very seriously. We could not go out. We had to find our own space and happiness at home or very clear to home. Mm. Um, this is a pattern that has influenced uh, many changes, many changes in the customer behavior looking for places which are calm, quiet, where people can regenerate even closer to their homes. But as well, it has changed a lot in the governance yeah. of destinations. And we have seen that we can live differently. I think that uh, the consciousness of uh, the climate footprint, the carbon footprint, uh, when it comes to travel, has become something very much in the mind of people. It is something that people are very conscious and the demand for, uh, um, I can say, sustainable destinations or products and experiences has been increasing. 
but as well, uh, there has been a shift in the type of destinations. Uh, there has been a diversification in the destination people want to visit. For example, uh, during the crisis, many countries such as China, for example, uh, and, and, and in Europe, this has been a huge success. Um, tra travel in their own country, in the countryside, in mountains, in rural area has increased. Mm. And actually, currently, we just had a survey with all our member states. Um, one of the most important initiatives that uh, they appreciate in the work we do is the development of rural tourism. Yeah. So it is, there is a trend on that. Yeah. There is a huge trend. And there is as well a huge trend on changing the patterns in terms of consumption and production on the SDG 12, uh, which relates to energy efficiency, water efficiency. Yeah. But Zorita, then are you concerned then that we might see a slowdown in global tourism in perhaps the near or medium term based on what you just described, that uh, tourists might turn a little bit more inward domestically for their, uh, towards their own countries? I mean, inflation is still quite high in many parts of the world. There's a lot of global yeah. economic uncertainty. However, tourism, of course, brings a lot of development and revenue for many local communities around the world. So my first question or my first follow-up is, are you concerned about that inward shift towards more domestic tourism and less international travel? I don't think I don't think the trend is going to to go down to curve. And despite, mm. as you rightfully say, the, um, the, the the increase of prices, the prices elasticity that uh, has to be reflected because of the of the various uh, economic crises that we are going through, people are still traveling. You can just see it by the incredible uptake and recovery rates. Uh, in uh, in many destinations. I mean, currently we are at 80% for the first quarter globally for international tourism recovery against 2019 numbers. And you know, um, some regions such as the Middle East have done 15 15% more than yeah. um, than uh, the, the level of 2019. Yeah. So um, I think there is a shift in the desirable destination and we can sense it. But I don't think that uh, people are going to, to reduce travel. They may be going to travel longer mm -hmm. when they go abroad so that they can capitalize uh, on, on their trip and on the costs that incurs. Uh, they might decide to do maybe two destinations instead of one. Yeah. So combining this, you know, that uh, that is as well for saving on cost, but as well uh, uh, satisfying yourself. And as I say, Travel is part of our dreams and DNA today. It's really part of the lifestyle. Everybody aspires to travel. And on your question on increasing domestic, we have seen an incredible uptake. And I'm sure in China, you monitor very well as well domestic tourism. I mean, you have seen a huge increase, which has brought, of course, not for an exchange, because this is the uh, um, uh, expenditure capacity of uh, of uh, local population and, and citizens, but it has brought a lot of jobs, and it has actually maintained many jobs which were at risk while inter international tourism ceased. Uh, yeah. You talked about the UNWTO supporting rural tourism. I think that is absolutely a fantastic idea because we see a lot of over-tourism in so many cities around the world, the major well-known destinations around the world. So what is the UNWTO doing specifically to promote more rural tourism? I mean, are you working with local governments, right, national governments, local communities? Yes. What's going on on that front? 
uh, in 2020, before we even knew uh, that uh, we were going into a, a, a COVID crisis and a pandemic, uh, the Secretary General, Zorapolorikashvili, launched, uh, we have a theme every year, and he launched the theme of tourism for rural development. Mm. And as you very well know, tourism it has the capacity for economic diversification of rural area, because uh, uh, rural area mainly relate on agriculture, uh, and uh, tourism is an incredible uh, value added uh, as an activity to, to activities in rural area and remote area. Of course, there are some critical steps in accessibility and so on, but um, the, the potential is there. So we have launched an initiative called the Best Tourism Villages, uh, which is an initiative uh, which provides, a, I can say, a ranking uh, very fair ranking with criteria and indicators. Mm. But we do not stop there. What we have as well is we have a number of, uh, of uh, destination, many villages, which are uh, then supported to be upgraded to the best tourism villages. Meaning that it is like a, it's like a micro destination management model that we developed, uh, which works very well offering uh, online training, but as well uh, on-site training uh, for uh, improving the level and the standards to comply with, uh, with the criteria of one of the best destinations in villages. Uh, Zorita, these great tourism villages, I think it's a fantastic idea when it comes to boosting local development as well. But mm. again, I, I want to ask you in terms of how do people actually get there? Because a lot of these places might be a little bit remote. So how should governments, you think, in the private sector think about balancing these various trade-offs? We need the infrastructure to get there, but then we also need sustainability as well. We need to maybe avoid over-tourism. We need the sustainability of these local villages. So how do we make all these trade-offs, you think? Actually, it's a very good question. And as I said, this is uh, one of the main challenges in, 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 uh, in developing, uh, um, I can say, rural tourism in rural area. Um, the economic diversification that is that can be catalyzed by um, by tourism uh, when it comes to remote area is definitely uh, going to benefit if there is any development plan from the region from the country to connect to main hubs uh, such as um, main uh, cities or places where um, there is a connectivity with planes bringing people directly or by car depending on where we are or by train and i think train has become a very very important way to travel now because the people that are going in rural area they they are happy to rent a car or they even travel by train uh, it's maybe as well different uh, different type of customers. They maybe travel uh, 2,000 kilometers from the country of origin to another country to go in a remote area because uh, the crisis, the COVID crisis had taught us as well that we, we commute differently um, when it comes to local area. But the most important is, as you said, infrastructure development, roads and connectivity and as well utility, capacity to absorb a certain volume of external visitors, uh, being it for energy, for water and so on. So one of the models that really works is that uh, when uh, the vision is embedded, when tourism is part 
of uh, of uh, of a model for revitalization of those uh, those area where uh, it it is taken as a holistic approach uh, um, which includes of course connectivity but as well um, utilities that are required to be an infrastructure building that are required to allow that mm. but despite all of this i can say that uh, uh, people always find their way uh, in um, if they discover a place that they are attracted to and, and i think the social media are playing an incredible role i think that um, the social media are creating are creating a completely new sphere of desirable discovery and what you just earlier said on 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 uh, culture 3.0 uh imagination uh is today certainly one of the most incredible strength or intelligence um while we are creating places and spheres and spaces uh such as in the metaverse where everybody wants to do to go and discover and i think that this is definitely the future yeah do you think the UNWTO should work more in terms of maintaining open dialogue to continue to support global tourism despite some of the geopolitical tensions that we see we are doing only that mm. this is really at the heart of uh, of the work we do yeah um intercultural dialogue is definitely uh, part of uh, the dna i can say of the work that we carry out uh, you certainly know the world uh, global code of ethics yeah and the committee on uh, tourism ethics uh this is the backbone on which uh, the world tourism organization has become a un agency so i can say we tend to forget but uh, the 10 principle of the global code of ethics are really the mainstay of the work we do and uh, you have not been uh, uh, ignoring uh, the that the UNW two member states uh, met and uh, made some tough decisions uh, with uh, with the region um uh, the the problem is that uh, in every country today because of the multicultural dialogue there is never a black or a white mm. uh, many people have both origins being it in one country or another so it makes life difficult for both but as well the impact around those countries is huge and immense uh, on migration on the impact on the loss of potential customers mm. and of course on the loss of capacity to produce food on the problems related to energy so these tension have a repercussion and and I was mentioning earlier uh, the need to be uh, more energy efficient because the uh, um, energy prices have risen being it for us individuals or in Europe at least i mean i speak to colleagues in canada they don't seem to be very much affected by all of this but i can say in europe uh there is a huge uh, consciousness of the impact of the unrest yes yeah so hopefully we can manage i guess those tensions and still support global tourism and local community development finally zaritza i want to ask you what do you think are the unwto's key priorities going ahead our key priorities first to listen to what uh, our countries are telling us because we as a un organization an intergovernmental organization we are bound to follow what the countries are telling us they are telling us that there is a shift in the governance model of tourism mm. so destinations are really at the forefront of uh, 
uh, accurate attention. But then destination as such doesn't mean much because uh, you need to look at uh, the uptake of technologies and you have to take to look at the aspect of sustainability, being it social sustainability and being it uh, environmental sustainability. And in the social sustainability, I think there is a, uh, an incredible uh, opportunity as well for education, for, for, I can say, creating more jobs and better jobs in the sector. Yeah. Uh, as you know, uh, tourism employed before the crisis one out of 10 people in the planet and about uh, half of those were female. So and now, um, as uh, as uh, the world is shifting, uh, maybe there is an opportunity for youth as well, because technologies are more associated with young people than they are with other generations. So I think that there is going to be a change in the age range of tourism workers. Mm -hmm. So I'm monitoring all these. I can say closely, accompanying government to shape and I can say craft the right policies while looking as well at uh, uh, sharing uh, new innovative business models uh, which are taking place today. Okay, so more responsible, more sustainable and more inclusive tourism worldwide, I guess. We yes. can talk about global tourism all day, but thank you so much thank for your time. Thank you for thank joining you us. So much. You've been listening to programs from CGTN Radio. CGTN Radio. We invite you to visit us online for more audio, pictures and in-depth reports. At radio.cgtn.com, you can access a wide range of programs and find your favorite news, talk, features, entertainment shows and podcasts. Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Welcome back. We turn now from international travel to China's tourism industry. The UNWTO expects Chinese outbound and inbound tourism to accelerate in 2024 thanks to better visa facilitation and improved air capacity. Now, according to numbers tracked by the China Tourism Academy, domestic tourism revenues and total trips are forecast to be some 90 percent of pre-pandemic levels for 2023. For more on China's tourism sector, I want to bring in Jane Sun, CEO and Director at Global Travel Service Provider Trip.com. Jane, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Jane, so when we look at China's tourism sector today, which key drivers are propelling its growth and defining its future, you think? I think people's desire of traveling and learning is always very strong from the China market. Uh, we have been taught by Confucius for 2000 years that it is better to travel 10,000 miles than to read 10,000 books. Uh, so from early on, young kids are brought by their parents to travel around the world. Traveling is learning. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about two distinct tourism highlights that we saw uh, here in China, Jane. One is the northeastern city of Harbin, known as China's Ice City. And then another is eastern China's Zibo, known for its simple yet very delicious barbecue, its barbecue streets, its barbecue skewers. And both Harbin and Zibo now occupy very distinct mindshare amongst mm. Chinese travelers. So talk to us more about what the surge in tourism in Harbin and Zibo means for shifts in travel preferences here in China? Yes, we're very glad Harbin and Zibo got lots of exposure. That speaks very highly about the importance of the destination marketing. Uh, China is very big. The world is very big. Uh, how we can help the destinations to better uh, expose themselves for its highlight 
uh, become very important. Uh, when we promote a travel destination, a lot of uh, travelers are looking for uniqueness of the travel destination. And these two uh, areas stands out this year as the most popular travel destinations. Yeah, with the rise in the tourism of these two cities, we see that tourism bureaus across China, they're really engaging in intense competition with each other to see whether or not their town, county or city can be the next big hit for Chinese tourists. What advice would you give to, let's say, local governments to more successfully attract tourists? Yeah, travel accounts for 10% of the GDP growth and about 11% of the job opportunities. So we are very glad to see that the local government pay more attention to the travel industry. It requires uh, a lot of uh, uh, clever thinking uh, to promote the uniqueness of its local characters. Uh, so the advice we can give the local government is, first of all, understand the destination very well. Secondly, enhance the service level to make sure whoever comes to their province or city are very well taken care of. Thirdly, and making sure their uniqueness is very well exposed uh, in uh, the major travel platform uh, so that our customers will be able to see it when they make their decision. And Jane, so how is Trip.com innovating uh, to provide your customers with a more immersive and memorable travel experience? It seems like a lot of travelers these days are looking for those intangible cultural heritage sites, uh, just very unique experiences that can create lasting memories, unforgettable experiences. So how are you innovating at Trip.com to provide those better experiences? Sure. We have been very innovative in terms of uh, how big the tool group is. What's the theme uh, we can promote to the target the market? And what is the uniqueness different based on the different season? Uh, for example, uh, my parents' generation, they prefer much to travel in big group because uh, very few of them are fluent in English. But the young generation uh, speak very good English. They prefer to travel in smaller group. So what we innovated to uh, have a private tour group or customize the tour uh, to reduce the size of the groups. A typical private tour uh, is that a family will hire a driver, hire a tour guide, uh, and they can arrange their tour based on their need. Mm. Uh, that is growing very fast. Yeah. The second yeah. innovation is theme park, uh, theme tours. Uh, for example, in the winter, uh, many people want to uh, seek for uh, skiing tours. And in the summer, uh, many people will go for diving tours. And in the spring and fall, the hiking uh, trip is very popular. So we organized our uh, tour based on the themes and based on their interest. Uh, so it requires to always think uh, as our customers and stay ahead of the games. Yeah. Uh, Jane, I want to ask you about technology and the importance of innovation on the technological front when it comes to tourism. So how do you think about social media, its role in digital platforms and influencing travel trends and destinations here in China? Yes, yeah, social media and the content generation become very important. Uh, so we stress on uh, very uh, factual-based content uh, rather than exaggerating. We want people to see the real comments. So for hotels and attractions, we encourage our customers who have stayed in these hotels, who have toured around these attractions, rank these 
uh, items so that the future visitors will have a good feeling as to how wonderful uh, these hotels are, how attractive uh, these uh, theme parks are. Uh, so the importance for uh, being truthful, uh, being factual is very important. That's why uh, lots of customers will check our sites uh, for review notes before they make a reservation. Mm. And finally, Jay, what's your outlook on China's tourism sector in 2024? So let's talk about the domestic tourism first, domestic travel. And then I also want to get your thought in terms of uh, China's outbound tourism in uh, 2024 as well. So let's start with the domestic side. Do you expect China's tourism sector and domestic travel to fully recover to pre-pandemic levels this year? As of uh, last quarter, we have already exceeded 2019's level by 50% and more. So domestic travel is doing very well. Uh, the second piece is outbound travel. And we look at both demand side as well as the supply side. The demand side is indicated by our search volume for outbound travel destination. And that number have already exceeded 2019 level by far. However, for the supply side, there are still a couple of hurdles. The first one is the visa application still takes very long time, particularly in Europe and to Americas. Uh, that's, uh, you know, take anywhere between one month to six months. Uh, the second bottleneck is the flight capacity. Uh, it, uh, some region is doing well. Uh, some other regions are still in the process of recovering uh, to 2019 level. I'm hoping that in 2024, we'll see a significant uh, improvement for the flight capacity so mm. that we can send more people to the travel destinations around the world. Yeah, and what about inbound tourism uh, coming to China? Because we have seen recently a number of visa exemption policies between China mm. and several countries around the world. So do you expect more travelers abroad to visit China uh, this year? Yeah, yeah, so China has made a very a proactive move in offering free visa. The first batch is for six countries, which includes France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Netherlands, and Malaysia. And then there are two countries being added, Switzerland and uh, uh, Ireland. And Singapore and Thailand have mutual uh, free visa on both sides. Uh, so we are very positive uh, for the improvement for inbound travel. Uh, we hope going forward, uh, there will be more uh, relaxation and uh, to make visa application uh, easier. And also uh, the government also are making lots of improvements inside China to make sure all the infrastructure uh, is very well uh, built to welcome the inbound customers. Yeah. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time, Jane. Jane Sun, Thank you CEO. for having me. Thank you, Jane. Uh, Thank Jane you. Sun there, CEO and director of Trip.com. Thank you, Jane. And that will do it for this edition of BizTalk here on CGTN. We certainly wish our viewers to keep exploring. And may your travels this year bring you new and unforgettable experiences. I'm Michael Wong here in Beijing. See you next time.